Hey everyone, welcome to the With Joe AB podcast, welcome back, welcome to first timers, if you've been here before, it's great to have you again. This is one of our reflection episodes, so this goes back over a section of the podcast and reviews them, right, because we do it in kind of bursts, and I guess the most recent one, I don't know if I actually properly named it uh, before we started, but it was basically around status and image and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I hope you got value out of it, for sure. So let's kind of recap. So this was from episodes 98 to 105. So from 98, 99, we talked about status games. And we talked about how, uh, you know, everyone talks about money a lot. Like, this person's in it for money, that person's in it for money, blah, blah, blah. We throw that around all the time. But no, a much more real conversation, a real driver of people's behavior, especially uh, career, professional choices, and also lifestyle choices, is, is status for sure. It's much more subtle. You get away with it. And that's why, you know, often a lot of money, people will a lot of want a lot of money and excessive money, often not necessarily to use it, one, one, I guess one is like optionality, which is like if I have heaps of money, I can do whatever I want, but also status. I can be a very significant person if I have a lot of money. Um, but we talked about status is not just limited to, to money. Um, it's There's very different d- ways of achieving status. I, I offered, I guess, four other ladders. So the morally righteous ladder, which is kind of like the people who get, who are, very common in the media or political circles, attacking other people, um, bringing them down a peg. But ironically, it boosts you up a peg, up the ladder, um, the social praise ladder. So doing what's pleasing in the eyes of many, all or most. Um, my example for that was the, uh, I guess, like the, the example of a donor, a volunteer or charitable person who does it more for the image rather than the actual impact. Um, the eyeball ladder, people just seeing you, the influencer, and the authority ladder, wanting to have control over people. And if you care to go to a, a Sunday or Saturday soccer game, um, you'll often see, <laughs> you know, a referee. And the referee being, a lot of the referees, are, in my experience, have been very particular characters, very funny socially. And sometimes I can't help but wonder, do they take up the position of a referee so they can have some sort of authority in their life? You know, because it's convenient. It's not that desirable a position, but it's one where you get to have authority pretty directly. It's really interesting. There's another thing we call karaoke man syndrome from, of course, so much of the time spent doing karaoke, which is what I've noticed from a sample of two. I'm not overly scientific, am I? is that a lot of the people who host karaoke nights are very particular, very pedantic, and they need to, they have a big desire for control. So I wondered if that, is that a confounding variable? Is, is that what leads a lot of people into the karaoke hosting world? Is it ability to have control? So, but authority ladders normally like, you know, wanting to be a CEO and stuff like that can be this ideal, probably never an enjoyable job in most cases, maybe meaningful rather than enjoyable. Uh, but it's really interesting to think about those different types of ladders because you can catch yourself and others pursuing them and 
what I suspect is that there might be more substantial worthwhile things to pursue other than that. But if that's uh, if that's your game, no judgment. You do you. Um, but then we talked about in, in episode 99 about status and groups. So the 98 was more individual status pursuit. 99 was more about groups, which was really, really interesting. And in general, my opinion on the dynamic is that the, the group is often a way to offset challenging your own self-esteem by being able to leech off the winds of a group. You know, the, the classic example is, a, is supporting a sporting team. You have none of the downside. You don't have to perform. You don't have to do much. You just got to wear the right colors and show up or turn on the TV even. So it's a, what a good deal for you because but when you win, my team win and you actually get a share of the achievement and you get to hold it over other people. And I think we talked a lot about in-group bias, right? It's uh, no matter how trivial the basis of the group is, and we've seen this in genocide, we've seen it in scientific studies. I talked about Henry Tajbal's work. I never, still don't know how to say that name. We, we identify heavily with the group and, and bias and make decisions in favor of our in-group regardless of how like trivial the reasons for our groups are. And really, most of the reasons for our groups are trivial. They're based on accidents, geography, chance, nothing we have individual credit or much of a role to play in or for. So that was mainly what we talked about, status games. Then we had the big landmark episode, 100, and I tried to make that, I guess, special and especially insightful. Um, but it was one of the biggest, I guess, leaps in ideas for me in the last uh, 6 to 12 months. And I guess what that episode was all about was how the apex of our challenges really comes down to image. And... Um, that we're pursuing image so much more than anything else. All these things, status, money, etc., etc., all come out of wanting to tell ourselves a particular story or wanting to realize a particular story of ourselves in the world. It's not necessarily the end of the world to, to have that, and it's actually pretty natural, but it's just being able to dictate the terms to a large degree, which is what I find is desirable. Not, not being caught on a narrative. To, to, I guess to explain that, to fast forward a bit, the last episode I told the story of the pirate who chased the horizon. That was this pirate who was furiously chasing, sending this ship, you know, pissing off his crew, really angered his crew because they're not ambitious enough and dedicated enough, trying to, apparently there's this whole myth he grew up on that there was treasure at the horizon and he was sailing towards it to get it. And what happened was that story was planted in him as a young boy growing up it's not real and he didn't really know why he wanted it it just been is an idea that had been planted in him kind of like that movie inception if you've seen that's a good example the seed being planted by someone else growing into a tree that you think is your own with your ideas and uh that is what i would say about the image so the image of yourself for that pirate is being the grand person who finally found this treasure that's the image of himself. He's pursuing the ideal self. The very, it's a very costly thing to pursue. Whereas I still have an image of myself. I'm this person. I'm a, a very collective kind of organism. 
I believe I'm doing things that fulfill my duty that only I can do. It's still an image of me, but I've tried to build it and and pursue self-transcendence at the moment. And that was what we came to. It was one of my favorite episodes, episode 100, probably my second favorite episode after episode 93. What we came to was that a lot of Maslow's hierarchy, a lot of what we thought about, about what are our highest order kind of needs or things we pursue in our life. We talked about self-actualization, but really how we don't want to just inflate the needs with the image we want to have. It was the whole Viktor Frankl idea and what he talked about when he talked about self-transcendence, about almost forgetting yourself. It's almost the opposite of downplaying yourself. And so we have this, I put the notes here, this whole... I call it the paradox of our significance and insignificance. It's that you can do so much, but we are principally so little. And it's really good to have this paradox, paradoxical view of ourselves, that we're not special, but we are very worthwhile beings. We can be one brick layer in a massive building. But that's significant because each part is important in and of itself. Not more important than any other, but must be accounted for, must be there. So it's this paradox of being significant and insignificant. We're not just all special. So, yeah, I, I've then explored, I guess, we explored those other episodes about combating that need for big self-importance, which can also be called narcissism. A lot of people use the word ego, egotistical. Someone pointed out to me recently that narcissism is probably a more accurate word, so I'm just going to be running with that for now. And combating the need for that. So I talked about lameness tests. I talked about what's the least your life could be. And I also talked about the Nobel Prize for anonymity. And I asked the question, it's certainly become one of my favorite questions. Anyone who knows me or listens to this enough knows I'm just a big hoarder of questions. I'm just a big question nerd and hoarder. I've got a whole list of a couple of hundred now. One of my favorites though is what would you work on that or contribute to that you wouldn't see the final results on in your lifetime you'd never get credit for and perhaps you'd have to watch someone else get credit for it in other words you've got like no glory for this what would you still do anyway it'd be great to keep asking yourself that question until you actually think of an answer because it's a challenging one it removes everything our human psychology has kind of uh, made a non-negotiable in any of our kind of activities. And what I mean by that is, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll do good in the world as long as I get credit for it and get rewarded for it. Whereas I guess real heroes don't, don't even require that upside. It's, it's much more admirable and respectable. So I call it giving yourself the Nobel Prize for anonymity, the real, the real anonymity. That you can't even trace it, trace the credit yourself, but you'll still do it. How powerful is that? I want to give an example of that because I think this is a big idea. I'm going to go religious. I'm going to go like Jesus Christ or someone like even non-religious, someone like Socrates, stuff like that. What I like about those two is they never wrote stuff down. They were not writers. And... I know a lot more about Jesus than Socrates, but what I believe is true is that they didn't necessarily just hoard, a, hoard large crowds around them. They were normally very content speaking to a very small group of people. 
and it said that Socrates didn't like the permanence of the written. In other words, he thought knowledge, information, all this stuff was much more negotiable and back and forth. So, uh, yeah, it just f I find that really powerful in that those guys didn't really imagine or foresee how wide that would spread. They certainly didn't market in a way that would enable them to become global, forever living things. It was normally much more small-noted and subtle. So they were content to just let the value of their teaching reach people far off places and times, but never actually get to meet those people or see the majority of it. So that is what I would say is an example of answering that question. But it, wow. I guess the good thing about doing the podcast, I actually get to think about this shit way more deeper than I even first think. So lots of takeaways. Um, so that's episodes 98 through to 105. So 98, 99 on status games, 100 on the whole life's meaning and I was wrong and self-transcendence and stock life. Uh, then 101 to 105, yeah, on anonymity, on lameness, on what's the least your life can be and the pirate who chased the horizon. So you can go back if you haven't listened to those yet and check them out in individual relevance to you. But yeah, we'll keep moving on now. I think what we're going to be going through next is Worthwhile Pursuits. is the next little mini-series. So should be exciting, should be fun, should be insightful. I guess I'll see you there. In the meantime, don't forget, anything you need is probably on the website, www.withjoeweeby.com. And remember, of course, that the best way to open a thousand doors for you is to concentrate on opening doors for others. See you again tomorrow.